Well, you've tuned in to the Midweek Devotional for October the 21st, 2020. My name is Parker Johnson, and I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton, Alabama. Thank you. Uh, I would ask a favor. If you're engaging with the Midweek Devotionals, if you'd please let us know uh, that we're just trying to get a gauge of how many folks are engaging on a on a week-to-week basis. This isn't a gotcha moment. Um, and once you let us know, you don't have to do it again every time. We're just trying to figure out how many folks are actually listening as we go forward. Let's open in prayer. So, Father, we thank you for the many blessings we have in Christ. And, Lord, as many as we know there are, um, our hearts are forgetful. And there are so many more. So, Father, in this time, as we look at Psalm 103, I pray that you would bring those to mind, especially your amazing character uh, and how you are so steadfast in your love and mercy for us. We rejoice at the forgiveness we have in Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last week we looked at Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Today I'd like to pick up in verse uh, 6 and go through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We talked last week uh, in verses 1 through 5, especially about the benefits that we have from the Lord God. Uh, And there we enumerated several of those in verses 3 through 5. But we talked about how the chief of these blessings is located in verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity. Verses 6 through 14 really are expanding on that theme. Uh, verse six, verse six. However, this introduction to this new stanza six through fourteen really serves as a stanza, uh, a pericope for which we are to focus on. Um, it introduces God's righteousness and justice. You know, God's righteousness and justice; these are very important things, um, but they're not good. Excuse me; they're always good. God's justice and good. God's righteousness and justice is always good. It is not good news, rather, for those who don't know the Lord. But the Lord here is one who is represented as always righteous and always just. I believe it's Genesis 18. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Look it up real quick. Will not the judge. Let's see. It is uh, Genesis 18.25. You know, the good news is that the judge of all the earth, he will do what is right. And he is especially concerned about those who are oppressed. We see that throughout Scripture. And this God who is both righteous and just in all that he does and all his decrees, in verse 7, we see that he has chosen for himself a people. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. 
This is, of course, looking back to the defining moment for the Old Testament people of God as the nation-state of Israel, in which God revealed himself to Moses and then used Moses to bring his people out of captivity in uh, the Exodus from Egypt. And in doing so, this self-revelation of God, God gave to his people a name, God gave to his people a constitution, God gave to his people his word, and God gave to his people his self-revelation of who he is and what he requires of them. If God had not revealed himself to his people, if God had not revealed himself to us, we would not know what he demands from us and how we might be saved. There are things we can learn from what's called special revelation, those things that we can learn about God from creation, that God exists, that he's a God of order, right, that we would be accountable to him. But without the word of God, without him revealing himself to us, we would never know about the saving grace that is available for those who trust in Jesus. Praise God he has revealed himself. We see God revealing himself throughout Scripture in many different ways, right? Even as we look back at Adam and Eve in the garden, how God revealed himself to them directly, right? walking in the garden in the cool of the day with them. We see it in the Old Testament with the prophets, how God would reveal himself and his word to them, thus saith the Lord, uh, to his people through them, direct messages to them. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the best self-revelation we see is through Christ Jesus, Right. It is through Christ Jesus that we have uh, the Lord God most fully revealed to us. And so as great as the Old Testament church was, uh, Israel and the people of God and the Old Testament, the nation state of Israel, as great as they had it, y'all, we have it so much better. We have it so much better that he has revealed himself to us through Christ. And we can see these truths all the more clearly. In fact, as we look at Psalm 103, we know the, how this works, how it works on the backside because the backside is the very message of the cross. What I mean by that? Well, we continue on in verse 8, where we learn of God's mercy and grace. The Lord, all caps, so Yahweh, the covenant name of God, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. At first blush, this is great news, and it is, but there's more going on here. This is a direct um, reference to Exodus chapter 34. Now in Exodus 33, Moses, who is on Mount Sinai, has asked God to reveal himself uh, to ask God to reveal himself to Moses to reveal to him his glory. Now Moses could not have lived. It's he had seen all his glory. But what we do see in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, we see this. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who no, will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. Well, why is that important when we get to Psalm 103? Well, remember the self-revelation we just talked about? How God made his ways, uh, what does it say? Uh, he made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. You know, God revealing himself to anybody 
um, does not mean necessarily that it would have to be good news. You think about this. God is a God of justice, and we are all sinners, and God would have been glorified, and God would have been just if he had shown up on the scene and said, look, you guys, I'm wiping all of y'all out. I will withhold all my mercy. I will not help you. I do not love you. God would have been just to do that. We have nothing to offer God. Nothing. You and I, we have nothing to offer God. But he revealed himself in such a way that he highlighted his love and his mercy. What we deserved was damnation. What we deserved was death. But instead, when God showed up and he heard the cries of his people in Exodus, excuse me, in Egypt, He sent Moses to save them despite their sin, despite that even when they came into the wilderness, they needed all the steadfast love and mercy God could give them because they continued to turn away from them. And certainly we do the same, don't we? But the Lord is merciful and gracious. Let's talk about these words. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. So you deserve a speeding ticket, and the cop says, I'm not going to give you a speeding ticket, even though you're going 300 miles an hour. I'm not going to give you a speeding ticket. That's mercy. Grace goes beyond mercy. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. So mercy is something that, that we don't get what we deserve, but grace is a positive thing. We get something that we did not deserve. So if the guy pulls you over and you're going 300 miles of the speed limit, and he not only says, hey, I'm not going to give you a speeding ticket, but then he hands you the keys to a brand new Porsche 911 Turbo. Uh, you know, I don't know how much that car is. It's got to be 100 grand. And says, hey, have fun. Go have fun in this. That would be grace, something you did not deserve. You did not deserve this wonderful sports car, but he gave it to you anyway. Well, God is merciful in that he has withheld punishment for our sins, and he is gracious in that he has given us spiritual life and salvation and adopted us as his children. He's also slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's such good news, isn't it? Slow to anger. Are you slow to anger? I'm not. I'm not. That's that's oftentimes one of my first reactions to something. But God, who could be righteously indignant against every one of our iniquities, he is instead patient with his people. Aren't you thankful God is patient? And he is abounding in steadfast love. That, that word abounding, that, that just says so much, doesn't it? That word in the Hebrew means great or many it's a quantity thing. There's a lot of it. Um, you know, I need a lot of love in the sense that I mess up a lot. Praise God that he is patient, slow to anger, and abounding, overflowing with steadfast love. So we pick up in, um, oh, and let me say this too. That, that, that word steadfast love is the Hebrew word chesed. Uh, you kind of got a little, get a little phlegm in, your, in the back of your throat there to say it right, chesed. Uh, and it's an important word and is especially tied to the covenantal name of God. It is his special love for his people. It is a steadfast love, always and forever kind of love. Verse 9, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not one to hold grudges. You know, as we think about how we deal with others even within the community of faith. Don't, isn't it hard not to hold grudges or within your family? But we move on to the next verse. And the next verse really, I think, is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I just want you to stop and let that sink in for a minute. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. This really is the central theme of the good news of Jesus. For we stand condemned because of our sin. We stand apart from what Christ has done for us, guilty for all the terrible things we've said, thought, and done. But the central message is that there is forgiveness. When we say the Apostles' Creed, my favorite statement is, and we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Because what does it mean for God not to deal with us according to our sins? It, it, it means that someone else has had to been dealt with. And this is what happened to Christ at the cross. Someone must pay for our sins. Someone must pay for our sins. And someone has. God himself, the one who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We see his abounding steadfast love, overfilling kind of love, as his blood was poured out on the cross. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. It would be just for him to do that. It would be just for him to punish us for all of eternity because of our iniquities. And this is the good news. He doesn't if we're in Christ Jesus. If we're in Christ Jesus, then Christ has done this for us. Do you need to hear this today? There's so many applications to this passage. I mean, one, just in salvation. But two, as we think through the Christian life, so many and I have two, right? It's a common struggle. How often do we struggle with feeling like our sins haven't really been forgiven? As we struggle with guilt over past sins, false guilt or, or false shame. You know, Christ not only took our guilt on the cross, but also shame. He took our shame on the cross. I mean, think about that. The God of creation, the author of all things, was naked on the cross. In a society in which looking upon someone naked was an incredibly shameful thing. He took our shame for us, too. Do, do you need to hear that today? If you're in Christ, God's relationship with you is not, is not determined by how well you have done today. His love for you is not altered. It does not wax or wane. It does not grow or diminish based on your performance or how long your Bible study was this morning or if you failed and blew up at the kids. God doesn't want you to blow up the kids. He doesn't want you to sin. But that doesn't mean that he loves you any more or any less. He will discipline us if we run into unrepentant sin. That's clear from Scripture. Hebrews 12 tells us that. But, but he would do that because of his love for us. And that's, that's what verse 11 says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Wow. That's pretty high. That is pretty high. You know, we the scientists will tell you that the edge of the universe is 14 and a half billion light years away from here. And as far as here from there, as far as here from there, that's how great his steadfast love is for us. It's, it's unmeasurable. Is that the right word? Or is it immeasurable? Um, what does he do with those sins? 
What does he do with those sins? Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's how far he takes our transgressions from us. I love how other places in Scripture puts it. Uh, If we look at Isaiah 43, verse 25, we read there, I am, excuse me, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. We're over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Now, God is omniscient. He, know, omniscient. he knows all things. So when we say he forgets them or he does not remember them, that, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's wiped out of his memory databanks. If we can remember it, he surely can. No, rather he makes a conscious decision not to deal with us according to those sins. I will not bring them back up. You know, so oftentimes, um, so oftentimes, uh, Satan is the one who brings up past transgressions. Satan is the one who brings up past failures. It's not God. He's, he sent it as far as the east is from the west. Do you remember what we just read, that he does not deal with us according to our sins? If, if he's not going to deal with us according to our sins, he's not going to keep bringing them up. When that happens to you, remind yourself of this truth, that God has taken your sins as far as the east is from the west. And why is that? Verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion towards those who fear him. By the way, this phrase, fear him, is, does not mean terror. Um, and it, it instead means reverential awe, those who worship him. There is a sense of fear in the sense that it is a fearful thing indeed to be in the hands of, a, of the living God, right? Especially if you're not in Christ. But if you are in Christ, then we have nothing to... You know, Christ has taken all of the justice and wrath for us. And so we can run to God as our Father, especially when we fall into sin, especially when we fail, especially when we are hard-pressed, especially when we need help. Just like a child who has a loving parent will, will run to his mother or father, not, not wondering if they're going to pick them up. Their mom or dad's going to scoop down and pick them up and hold them against their chest, even if it's something that they're upset about that's not worth being upset about. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion. You know, even as we show compassion to our children, God's compassion towards us is, is all the greater. But think about that, what it means for the God of the universe to show compassion upon those who, apart from Christ, are, are or were in rebellion against him, whose lives are still a mess, right? Just That shows the amazing compassion of our God. Verse 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. That really ties in with the next, uh, next stanza, which perhaps we'll look at next week. Well, I hope you have a good week. We worship Sunday mornings uh, at the church. Uh, we have Sunday school at 9, and we have service is at 10. And we continue to have uh, the service posted online as well. Let me pray for us. So Lord, I pray for those who are listening that they would experience the grace um, and mercy that comes from the gospel. Lord, if they don't know you, if they have not turned their lives over to you, if they have not confessed their sins to you, repented their sins, put their faith in Christ, and I pray that that would be today. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.